Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to Portsmouth and Old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores yes. for Pompey. They lead in Old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal on onside, the flag stayed down, Jamal nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Somehow we've made it to five weeks without being taken home. Can't because we can do what we want. Welcome along to Three Lads in the Pub, <laughs> uh, episode five. And this week we are in uh, one of the most well known Pompey pubs, very close to Fratter Park. It's called the Shepherd's Crook. Uh, on a Sunday evening, it's good to be down here. The atmosphere is fantastic. Just watched a live band play. Uh, some great company as well. Jeff Harris alongside me. Hi, Jeff. How you Hello, doing? Mate, you all right? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Good uh, weekend look, so far? Yeah, it's all right. It's been a bit hectic. I mean, obviously, good result yesterday. We'll come on to that in a second. And um, and someone that walked into uh, the band playing, uh, it looked like it was like a WWE entrance. Is the Viking. <laughs> just just waiting to rip your shirt off, you know. And just <laughs> come it's quite warm in here, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, good evening, gentlemen. Can't believe we've made it this far. Uh... I thought someone was going to come after us by this point, but we go what? again. Like, and we're we're now operating essentially in the in the shadow of Fratton Park. We're that close yeah. to it this week. You're saying about people coming for us. I, I I'm not just saying this. You know, I, we have had nothing but good feedback for this. I've had people come up to me. You know what? You know what I do as a side job. I, I work in the um, work in nightclubs, and I generally every week will have someone come up to me and shake my hand and say, "Absolutely brilliant." Look at look at my phone case. Someone gave me that sticker. He said, "Absolutely love it." High five you. There you go. Sorry about that. Sorry about the um, the notes. My favourite is still the guy that came up to you in the club. Oh, with the podcast on with his phone. With the podcast on his phone. That's just brilliant. 
Uh, but yeah, long, long may it continue. Yeah, it's going. Drop go. it like it's hot playing in the background, <laughs> and he's got the dulcet tones of us three <laughs> dropping it hot on the mic. Oh, fan, fantastic! You know, and, and uh, views-wise, lads, we're well over seven thousand now. I mean, that's mind blowing. It's great, isn't it? You know, I, I had similar comments in the pub yesterday in in the Rutland Arms before the game, and I had two groups of people. I overheard one group at the at the bar talking about the podcast, and I kind of laughed. And they were like, why, don't you like it? And I went, I must like it, I'm a part of it. Um, you know, so I got, got some high fives from that one. And then, you know, people in Fratton Park themselves came up to me and congratulated us as well. So Yeah, good, no, keep long, mate, continue. Right, that's enough blowing around trumpets. Let's talk about Pompey. Uh, I mean, Danny Cowley said, I think he said, so, said four points would be a good week. And we got that, Jeff. Yeah, we said that last week. And, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I said it would be a typical Pompey thing to go out and beat Sheffield Wednesday and, and draw against Morecambe you know realistically a draw against Sheffield Wednesday albeit they had a depleted side and so did we I thought that game we should have won um, and we said four points from, from those from those six available would be a great week and, and Pompey delivered you know I think it was a yes Cole Stockton was a threat up front for Morecambe but the way Raggett and Ogilvy snuffed him out yesterday was just out of this world. You know, they were playing to a championship standard, not League One, in my opinion. So definitely some promising signs. And of course, on Tuesday, Ryan, take, you're taking your blue tinted glasses off. I think as a neutral, you would say Pompey deserved to win that game. I saw a couple of people say it was a fairly even game. I don't think it was. I think we had the better chances. No, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday had a couple of close scrapes or a couple of fantastic deliveries into the box where... You know, one of their players is often arrived just ahead of the ball, so he has to crane his neck back to try and direct the ball back towards goal. Outside of that, George Hurst has a one-on-one with Peacock Farrell. He hits straight down at him. There's the incident in the second half where he goes down under no contact when Peacock Farrell misses a through ball. If he stays on his feet, that is as an open goal as it gets. Overall, you have to consider the quality and the quantity of chances Pompey had to put that game away. The Ronin Curtis header at the back post, that one you chalk up to a great save from Peacock Farrell. Well, there's a reason he got man of the match. Exactly. But there, there were still a couple of chances where I think it was more us than Peacock Farrell. The reason we didn't convert. Overall, you have to credit what was a good game for him. The oddity of the week overall is that the game we won was the game we were poor in. We, we were very, very good against Sheffield Wednesday. We targeted the weaknesses in their system pretty well. We targeted the flaw in their team pretty well, which is their back through was made up of a guy who started as a forward in his career, a left back and a left midfielder. It was clearly a shonky ramshackle back three put together in the haste of needing to put someone out there. They kept a high midfield four. So what we did was just go, we won't go through your midfield four. We'll go over it and around it what you know first time passes several times that night we're just running at that back three unopposed just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net that was the better performance the game we didn't win you go to Saturday a far more distinctively average performance it's not a bad performance I think it was just an average run of the mill league one performance that against a weak Morecambe side that is being dragged kicking and screaming to safety by Cole Stockton more on that in a moment we we found a way to get the job done we weren't brilliant yesterday but against a flawed side we got over the line and I have absolutely no problem with that that was my first game back as a fan since everything happened with Express and Pompey finding a way to get over the line yes it doesn't make for the greatest 
you know, viewing spectacle ever, but we all still walked out at 90 minutes with three points in the bag, feeling happy. Just we'll to, never say no to that. Just about bring that up, obviously, you just mentioned it was your first game back since all that uh, that happened. Uh, how was it? How was the experience for you as a fan? I loved for the it. first time in what? Two I loved years? it. The reason I took a month off, so obviously there were a lot of hard feelings about it all. When I joined Express, I went straight from being a season ticket holder in the Fratton end and every, every away stand in the country to the press box. I've always, you know, I've dedicated every weekend of my life for the 29 years I've been here to Portsmouth. When everything happened with Express, there were a lot of hard feelings. For the first time, I was out of the press box, but also this year I became, you know, a father and we'd moved into a new place together. So I thought, well, I'm going to take a month off to to clear my head of all that negativity, to reconcile being a fan again with this club and just to have, you know, a few Saturdays off with my partner and daughter, which is a rare for me because now I'm back at games again. That'll be me being a daft git going to Tuesday night away games and they were Ryan when are you home for tea I was like, well I don't know it's 3am and I'm still in Devon when we play Plymouth in a couple of weeks so I took a month off I back at it yesterday and the pre-match tradition on a Saturday home game is I end up in the good companion with my dad my granddad my uncle it's a couple of pints it's a bit of lunch and then they walk down to the ground and, and being in the pub with them being at the game with them which is what I've done for upwards of two decades before that I loved it. it it was great it was great being a fan again it was the first time you get to sing play up Pompey the first time you get to call the ref a wanker you know <laughs> it's those little moments <laughs> <It's laughs> under your breath no, don't, but don't say you didn't do that in the press box right because we, 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 we <laughs> that was never me that that was someone else called uh, Cyan Retilwell uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I loved it and it, yeah it wasn't a great performance but th- there's nothing wrong with calling a performance average yeah. and still winning that that is absolutely fine uh, yeah, yeah I, you know i listened to some of the the, the phone-ins afterwards and everyone some people say it was a great performance and i was just like really was i watching a different game and i think it's indicative of, of pompey season that against the big teams we seem to up our game and we play well it, against the mediocre teams we get dragged down to their their level um and that was the case on saturday but we got over the line it was, uh, yeah, like you say, it wasn't the um, most convincing, but we, we got the job done and some good signs for that. By the way, just, I'm just going to take a break and play. I've screwed up here, lads. We haven't mentioned what we're drinking, which is why most people listen. Uh, so, Ryan, I'll start with you. What have you gone for? I've gone for a change this week. Uh, you, you were on one of the fruity ciders last week, so I thought I'd take a, a leaf from your book. I've got an Old Mount uh, Cider from New Zealand. Mate, don't take any leaves out of my book. I haven't got a clue. I just, that looks pretty. I'll have that one, please. <laughs> Uh, I've gone for, I keep forgetting, it's Carling Dark Fruit Cider. Do you know what? It's actually, it's quite dangerous. You could drink that like like squash. It's, yeah, it's nice. Good choice. But how about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm on the uh, Stella Artoris. Hey. I, I think the other reason <laughs> I, I'm on the Fruity Cider tonight is that I was on the Pompey Media Night Out on Friday and all I was doing was Pints of Doombar and Nuki Brown. And when you end up down Palmy Road in the clubs and you feel that jiggling around your belly after oh the fifth rave, you start to think, oh... Uh, I need a break. <laughs> yeah, looks like a good night. I, I popped down for it just to, just for one beer because I had to uh, go and do other bits. But it was good to see our old mate Jake Smith down there in his Christmas shirt. He looked smart, didn't he? He did look smart. You know, he's yeah. the only one that made an effort. Out of, there was about twenty of them, Jeff. And he's I believe, the only one I believe, that made I believe, uh, I saw the pictures. I believe yeah. Annie, one of the press box stewards, she oh, was wearing yeah, a um, yeah. Yeah. 
as she was wearing a Christmas jumper. Oh, good old Annie. But yeah, Jake Jake never fails to disappoint when it's fancy dress. He's brilliant. Did you see what he dressed can't up as Halloween? Can't wear a coat to games, but he can wear a Christmas jumper. Oh, he's a nightmare, that kid, honestly. <laughs> Absolute nightmare. Uh, but yeah, it was a good night out, good uh, some good, good catch-ups as well. And it was good to be back as uh, as the three of us together. But look, off you go, Jake. There's a new three in town, eh? Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> We're all good. Uh, right, so Jeff, go, going back, let's go back to Morecambe. So... Um, some good spells in there. There was a couple of uh, you know there was a couple of times where there was an applause that rang out around Fratton Park for some of the the build up play and obviously a couple of chances. Ronan Curtis had a couple of chances on Saturday, uh, but some good signs you know. But also there are some some signs that there are still things to be worked on as well. Definitely, I think um, Sean Williams. <coughs> you know, I'll say it again. You know, every week I I always say he's slow in the transitional play, and I think you know. Aziz had spells where you can see he's got ability, but equally, you were like, you know, do something with it. There were times that, yes, he was coming short and getting the ball off the back three, and you expected him to pivot and then drive up the pitch, and he knocks it sideways or he knocks it back. And, it, you know, when Sean Williams is doing that as well, you've now got two central midfielders who are kind of killing that, that power on the pass and playing it with purpose. And everything else, but you know, I just want to mention Conor Ogilvy because there was a chance around about 33 34 minutes that the, the ball glanced off Raggett's head and it went towards um Cole Stockton around the penalty area. And Ogilvy just kind of stuck a leg out and threw, threw himself three foot off the air and cleared that ball. You know, he was immense yesterday, and he, he's we, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. He just goes around his business in a quiet manner, he doesn't do anything outstanding all the time but there are there are moments in games where he will do something and that's the decisive moment of stopping a goal going in whatever I thought he fully deserved his goal yesterday and fully deserved being man in a match and and you know when Clark Robertson comes back I think Robertson's got a fight on his hands because unless you shift Raga over to the right hand side keep Ogilvy on the left and put Robertson in the centre I don't see how Robertson comes back in at the moment I put this on Twitter for me Ryan after seeing what you know, the way he's sort of cemented himself at centre back, you keep him there. You can't, you can't move him. Absolutely. He after the injury to Robertson, there were basically auditions to see who would partner Raggett for the next two to three months. Started off with Sean Williams, that didn't work. We started off with Kieran Freeman alone, that didn't work. We start, we even chucked Paul Downing in there for twelve minutes, that didn't work. Ogilvy then started to become more of a centre-back than he has been in his career. Normally he's been left-sided, certainly he was at Gillingham, but requirement necessitated that he be there. Not only did he develop into a competent partner for Raggett, but he had to lead the defence alone in that game against Gillingham when Raggett was suspended. He's got players around him whose defensive performances haven't been all that sturdy in comparison, so he was the leader for that day at Gillingham. He got them through relatively unscathed apart from a couple of moments against um, oh I've forgotten his name from Gillingham uh, Kindy no 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 not Kindy um, Vidane Oliver Vidane Oliver that's his name uh, Vidane Oliver rolled him a couple of times and got up the pitch uh, pretty quickly but again they got through that game relatively unscathed then it comes to this one what actually impressed me is that they dealt with Morecambe's uh, springing a tactical surprise. I think through the 20 odd games that Morecambe have played so far, there's only been two games where they haven't gone 4 3 3. So it's stopped and up top on his own. You've got John Ronger off to one flank. They went with a 
they essentially matched us up yesterday with a 3-4-1-2. So instead of having, you know, three centre-backs being able to take care of just Stockton and, you know, having your other centre-backs at least watching out for the wingers with the healthy wing-backs, they do have two straight up top looking to cause some issues. But I think they dealt with that surprise pretty well. Even Morecambe's I follow commentators seem surprised with that switch. And, yeah, that was an, an amazing instinctive block that, that occurred around that sort of half hour mark that, you know, it would have been Cole Stockton, what, eight yards out yeah. onto his right you foot. You don't want that, do you? No, you don't want that at all. He was certainly an out, you know, a standout performer yesterday. He obviously gets the goal that puts the game to bed as a contest because up until that moment, I still thought we were giving the ball away far too cheaply in our own third. There was one, there was one occasion we gave the ball away in our own box when Kieran Freeman got a little bit too, ro- uh, you know, rogue- uh, roguish and renegadish. And I thought this one isn't quite over yet. So to get see Ogilvy grab that winner to put the game. You know, put the game to bed as a contest. That was that was a relief for me. And overall, I think if you couldn't, you know, if you contribute big moments at both ends of the pitch like that, you deserve to walk away with the man and the match award. Yeah, you were saying about there was a couple of times they played themselves into trouble. There was one standout moment that is. Um, I, I mean, I put a video on Twitter of the save from Bazuna, and it's gone nuts. Um, but leading up to that, I mean, you've got to talk about that because talk about playing yourself into trouble, Jeff. Literally. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's actually quite predictable sometimes. And it's Again, it's that game management, isn't it? And that football intelligence and, and playing a sideways or backwards pass that maybe you just need to hold the ball or, or pivot and, and go forward. But how many times have we sat here and gone, you expect those players to, to drive forward and they don't? Um, and, it's, and, and it's a warning, but that save, I mean, I thought he got a hand to it. It was going in going in the top right still how he how he deflected it onto the crossbar I, I don't know and Bazuna just gets gets better and better doesn't he yeah I had some goon on Twitter telling me that wasn't a world class what is he watching in league a league in league one game that is that is outrageous Brian what a save you don't you don't see those saves every week in the Premier League let alone in the third if someone in the Premier League football. had said that they'd be talking about it now oh, yeah, they'd be of talking course about it for weeks wouldn't they and it's, it's those little moments because again that came from a, a cheap loss in possession as well just outside our own third that's why for me it was a proper middling average performance because we can obviously talk about the moments where we broke out into space well we pushed Morkins back free before their wing backs had a chance to get back but for the amount of times we did that how many times did we actually generate shots on Brad Leatherin? I thought we actually had had relatively quiet afternoon in the Morecambe goal. Outside of the two goals themselves, most of the pot shots were just shots from 20 yards that he spilled out. No one really made him work outside of that. And then you look at the losses in possession in our own third. Williams had a couple of these. Aziz had a couple of these. Hackett had quite a fair few, actually. And, and sometimes the phys- physicality wasn't there either. The guys like McLaughlin and Phillips in the midfield for Morecambe, they certainly w- weren't giving any wing, uh, anything away for free. And that's why I think for as many things as we did good yesterday, whatever Morecambe had seemed to be from our own making. They didn't take any, you know, they didn't create anything as such. They took what we gifted them. And that's why I was happy that despite a, a distinctly middling, you know, League One performance, we did find a way to get over the line over the line in this case being Hurst seemingly just want to put you know put Leatherin on his ass twice before deciding right I'm, I'm now going to go for goal uh, Harness deciding that this foolish childish goal mouth scramble wasn't for him and he's just going to oh, give it the old rip snorter from two yards Doink. out 
and then Conor Ogilvy decide well this this heading record that we can't uh, we can't score from Edda that's childish that's not grown up uh, hold this while I go and stick one you know, in the onion bag talk, let's talk about the first goal it was you know great play by great play by Hurst um, you know and, and from two yards out I don't know how Aziz has hit the post twice 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 <laughs> it's you impressive know, it, you know it, it was he focused on the post and his foot's just put it there? Or, or, or well, I, I, I just don't <laughs> know. Inexperienced panics, but uh, but obviously with the, with the week we've just been talking about, obviously Sheffield Wednesday and Morecambe, Jeff, you find yourself a point off the playoffs. But we didn't see that coming for uh, a few weeks ago. No, six six, six weeks ago, we were like, hold on, <laughs> we could be on a relegation battle. I mean, I said it jokingly, but... And yeah, we are, we are a point off. However, you know, I said it last week, you've got to take points off that, off that top six, seven for you to really break into that, those playoffs and, and get as high up in the playoffs as you can. And, and that's why I think the Sheffield Wednesday result was, uh, you know, two points dropped as much as it was one point gained. That gap is forming between the top three now. The top three and then four through to eight, there's, what, three, four points forming between that third place and fourth place. Um you know, and if Pompey aren't careful, those top three will soon be eight, nine points ahead. So, so we, you know, whereas we've got to beat the teams in in the middle to to, to bottom of the league, that's great. We're, at the moment, we're hoping that the top six drop points rather than us taking points off of them. Starting with sorry, I, mean, I think I think with um, every game that you you take a while to mull over and think about after the fact is contextualised by what you do next. So if we go back to the Wickham game, everyone's saying it's a big win. And I'm saying it's not a big win yet. Big wins are contextualised by what you do after them. Exactly. Now, obviously, I I was disappointed that we didn't beat Sheffield Wednesday because that's a team that you feel at some point are going to get it together. Like when we played Doncaster at the start of the season, if they were going to materialise anything, it was going to be a while down the road yet. You need to pick up that three points when they're weak, when they're flawed. And then I, I eventually accepted that Sheffield Wednesday was a draw and you get over it by beating Morecambe. You, you contextualise the Sheffield Wednesday draws. Oh, well, we move on from it by going out and getting three points on the weekend. That's exactly what we did. And as a result, it still leaves us in a good position one point off the playoffs. All of a sudden, you don't have to regret the Wednesday game anymore because you've backed up on Saturday with, yes, not a spectacular performance, but a performance that gets you three points. And it doesn't matter if you're against a side like Morecambe. They, they've taken some scalps so far this season. They, they score a lot of goals. And I believe this is now nine halves of football in a road where we haven't conceded. Because Wimbledon's goal in the 2-1 victory came in the first half. Yeah. We haven't conceded in four games since. So nine halves of football without conceding. You don't have to be spectac- you don't have to be spectacular to win games if you're not conceding. You've automatically already got one point. You just have to find that five percent extra to go and get three. Now, we're not gonna keep on getting clean sheets. That that's obscene football that only happens in farmers leagues like Scotland and France and uh, <laughs> uh, sorry to all my Scottish people out there, but come on. <laughs> Um, lads, m- moving on from that, one of our uh, favourite features, which we've uh, we only s- sort of started last week, but we've backdated it. Ryan, you be- I believe you got the first dinner of the week. Uh, I got the second. Was it the second week? Was it me? I think week, it was week yeah. three's dinner of the week when you went to the wrong pub. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I can confirm we all came to the right pub today. Uh, but dub and din of the week. What are we saying this week then? This week, we had a few contenders for dinner of the week. 
uh, an early contender was George Hurst on Tuesday for his horrific Tom Daly antics. <laughs> Three horrific dives in the same game. One for the uh, the rejected penalty in the first half. One was a couple of minutes later down the uh, down the sort of fratten and south stand corner. And the third one, he has an open golf. He stays on his feet with that incident with Peacock Farrell. But I'm going to give din of the week to a combination of Miguel Aziz and Charles Breakspear. There was a Morecambe free kick... <laughs> <laughs> which I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. We, I think it's the first time that we've in earnest deployed the drafts excluder at the free kick. And not only has Aziz apparently laid down as a draft excluder in the wrong position, the referee then stops all the proceedings in the ground to tell him how it's done properly. So there are 15,000 people in Fratton Park watching Miguel Aziz essentially do the worm. Because he's wriggling as a bo- he's wriggling his body comical, behind four people in the water. It's like you're a professional athlete, and you've got a grown man in a high vis uniform telling, "No, can you just wriggle? Like- no, 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 a little- wriggle that that way, please, Miguel." No, no. And why does the referee get involved? There's no law saying you have to tell someone how to be a proper draft excluder, and he's going, "No, no, no, budge up a bit." It- oh, it's a farcical little scene. So you've got a professional athlete with a great future ahead of him. No, can you wriggle that way, please? (laughs) Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, that's... A pair of of them should have been booked for time-wasting. Time-wasting is what it is. So who are we giving the dinner of the week to? Uh, Miguel Aziz and Charles Breakspear. Joint award. Congratulations to you both. Uh, Wear that with pride. It's a good honour. And how about Dub of the Week? Dub of the Week sorted itself out with something we've already discussed. The Gavin Bazunu save. Oh, absolutely. And not only because of the save itself, Cole Stockton's effort first half, that was a pot shot on the angle, nice turn. How much did Baz actually have to do in that game? To remain that aware as a goalkeeper... It's concentration, isn't it? Exactly. Your levels have to remain... The switch of a button when you you don't actually have to pull off that many saves in a game all of a sudden Phillips cracks one from 25 yards it's very easy as a goalkeeper Bloody to fall good asleep effort, wasn't it? in those oh, instances I said and I thought it was in claws it onto the bar obviously you're watching for the fratten end I mean yep. both of you were but it must have been some sight to see that you know because in, in, you know if you watch the replay Gabs he saw it late he did see it late and, you know, and he's got he, like, like Ryan said he's kept his concentration and it, but it's not it's not just a parry it's a really strong hand that he gets to it and and you know that's what takes it onto the crossbar what what gets me is his reaction straight after he's like yeah so yeah i made a save <laughs> but i think it's it's a little bit easier to make that save if, if you've been under siege all game because you know you're always being called into yeah, action you're, you're but if he's there. been stood there for 20 minutes while his defense sorts everything out all of a sudden you see that flying towards you it only takes, you know, a slight delay in reaction. That's whizzed past him, or it's just grazed his thumb and gone and, and in. The he, fact that he's smacked that onto the bar, it, it really is a great piece of goalkeeping. You know, and, and, and the save in the first half as well was, was a great save because, you know, he, again, he saw it late, he got down low, he parried it, but it's the reaction afterwards to then get on top of the ball and, and gather that ball up. No doubt about it, that guy... I know he's got a couple of flaws still. He's still got a lot to learn. You can see, you can see the weaknesses. Not, not you know, more, more positives than weaknesses, but more strengths than weaknesses. Sorry, but that guy, you, you can just call it now, Ryan. He is going to be playing for City one day. He you plays can, for his country at nineteen. It's ridiculous, and, the and you can see why. for his country at nineteen as well. How have we managed to get him on loan? That's the okay, question. That, that is, well, the fact that he was on Rochdale. At loan on Rochdale I mean, that for the entire season. That kind of makes sense. It's on the doorstep, you know. Yeah, they- but th- this is a totally different Bazunu last season. And the thing I always go back to is, he was 
held up pretty much under the radar last season because of the way Rochdale played. The year, the summer before, they'd had their entire team decimated. The the EFL's top goal scorer over the last five years left Rochdale, went to Salford. Ian Henderson, uh, Ollie Rathbone was the only player that essentially remained in central midfield. Uh, Callum Camps went from Rochdale to Fleet with the main playmaker in that side. Luke Matheson had gone a year before on a permanent transfer. Uh, I believe it was to Wolves before going on loan to Ipswich. All these good players, all, all that made Rochdale a side that was just about hanging in League One, had gone. Then they were playing in a really aggressive uh, 3-5-2. They've got Matt Dunn, who's a forward, playing at left wing back. And they've got a 36-year-old Paul McShane at the heart of defence going, I'm not sure I can keep up with League One pace week in, week out. Then you've got Gavin Bazunu in that net going, I, it's essentially 11 against, 11 against one, is it? what for 46 games yeah. a year it's not going to work and to see when he is called into action this year so much better he plays for his country everyone references the fact that he saved a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty that get, that's not the bit you reference for me it was that performance against Serbia where the yeah, where, he, where it's curling in and he tips it around the post Ireland were 1-0 down until the 85th minute they shouldn't have been that should have been 3-4-5-0 down he kept them in that game long enough to get an equaliser that for me was a standout international performance and now on a on a third tier English level and on an international level he's getting the praise he deserves at both levels the only issue for us is I, I hope he's still here in February <laughs> I believe there is no recall option unless the only scenario is if City get a couple of injuries in their goalkeepers yeah they've got four goalkeepers haven't well, they I can't see it well so it'd be bloody unlucky three injuries happens, before he goes back um, but yeah so dub of the week goes to Gavin Bazzulli so congratulations well deserved what a save that was and long may his good form continue at Fratton Park right let's move on uh, to the next one then the one that uh, I mean annoyed a few people the other week trying to get tickets but I believe I mean a lot of people are selling tickets now what was the point of bloody buying them <laughs> oh, all that for that um, Wimbledon away looking forward to getting to uh, to Plough Lane uh, will be actually my off the subject of talking about first games back Ryan will be my first game as a fan I went back to watch Pompey I, I can't remember which game it was now but I went and did some, uh, some press stuff but still not really going as a fan but I can't wait like you to go and just enjoy that match day experience and yeah, it's gonna be a, gonna be a good one, but yeah, not 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 an easy game. ABC Wimbledon, we know what they they're capable of. They've done us over in the EFL Trophy. I know we beat them last time out. Just just is the word there, uh, but a, a tough game. It will be a tough game, and playing Wimbledon, you sometimes that game gets played at 100 miles an hour. When it was the behind closed doors game at their place last season, I think that was with three games to go in the season. The EFL Trophy game at their place this season, and even the game at Fratton Park, Wimbledon do not go east west they go north south but they don't go north south in terms of hoofing the ball up into the forward they go north south from defense they like to move the ball up through the middle third quickly they'll drive right through you if they have to the amount of times you see a Wimbledon player streaming past the midfielder heading at the defense untracked it's it's quite commonplace and that's where a few of their goals came from in the earful trophy if you go back to the first goal in that game the entire Pompey midfield watches as the Wimbledon defense goes sod it let's all get involved let's all get up that pitch and put them on the back foot so it's not a it's not possession oriented game that they'll they'll move it around slowly they'll wait for you to make mistakes they'll they'll force the issue at you by driving driving straight at you it's essentially like having 11 rico hackett's in your squad when he gets into space doesn't care who he's up against he'll just give it anything he's got that kind of energy that can that can unsettle teams they're not ready for you know to be hit hard like that for 90 minutes and 
obviously in that game we conceded five because they, they were just relentless in going forward. Their problem is the amount of plays you send up and down the field for 90 minutes, you get caught out, you leave exposed gaps behind you, you tire out later in games. If you don't have the depth on the bench, that's where you tire out. That's where Pompey can get them. If they can remain solid enough mentally more than physically to withstand Wimbledon players running right at them and then release the ball quickly into the space left behind that's where the goals can come and that's where Wimbledon is starting to struggle this season because the goals they're scoring aren't offsetting the ones they're letting in and they're not coming from Joe Pickett <laughs> no I mean how much do they miss him <laughs> definitely they, they, they definitely do and you know I saw it on, on Twitter earlier this morning that apparently we're after um, Nesta Guinness Walker Left, left back, left wing back. That would be a great sign if, if we can get him. But there's a part of me thinks, you know, Wimbledon is a big game now on Saturday. We're one point off the playoffs. We win that and results go our way. We could break into the top six. It, so, so, you know, we talk about must-win games. I don't think it is a must-win game, but we can't afford to lose that one. If we want to keep pace with, 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 with that top third of, of, the, of the league... We, we, you know, we need to get a result. And Ryan's right there. They're, they're a direct forward-playing team. My only fear is that Williams and Aziz, if they're c- continuing in the middle on on Saturday, they're not going to be able to fast enough to react to the space in the pockets we have, that we may may get. So therefore, you've got to have Harness and Curtis. They've got to be on the top of their game to get that ball early and turn and run at players, you know, and supported with the likes of Romeo on the right and, and Hackett on, on, on the left. I think if those four can combine, and like, like Ryan says, get, get in those pockets of space, get the ball, drive them. I actually think George Hurst could be on for like a brace on Saturday. I really do. He, I honestly, he, if he finds the back of the net, I agree. If he finds the back of the net soon, he is going to... If he also plays well Saturday, yeah. it will be up against some tough opposition because yeah. they've got the likes of Paul Callum by at centre-back who don't roll over for nobody at centre-back. He's one of those proper old-fashioned centre-backs that he'll take yeah, he'll yeah. take everything with a ball. So I think if Hurst does have a good game on Saturday, it'll be one of those games where you actually have to stand up and recognise that he's had a good game. Well, he was unlucky not to score against Morgan, was he? I mean, oh, yeah, cleared off the line. Yeah, yeah and, and against Sheffield Wednesday. But, you know, for me, for Hurst to score, we need those four players that I just mentioned to drive drive at Wimbledon to create the space to create to create those opportunities um, and like I said I think he'll get one or two on Saturday I really do hopefully um, just to go back to Nesta Guinness Walker quick if those reports are true that we're going in for him I'm actually quite excited about that because the first time I went to Plough Lane was that behind closed doors game at the end of, end of the season. Is that the one where the fans were watching on top of the yeah, building? Yeah, on the roof watching <laughs> it. He was one of the players I pointed out as a danger for that day because yeah. he's young. I think he's 21, I think he is. He is a left wing back. He's fast. He's comfortable on the ball. He can get up down the field all day. That's exactly what we're crying out for in this revitalised Danny Cowley three four one two system is a guy that is comfortable on the football, has some sort of defensive nous to him, and gets up and down the field all day. The other thing as well, Lee Brown is now the wrong side of thirty. I think he's thirty one at the expiration of his contract. Logic dictates the way we handle Christian Burgess. We're not going to offer him a new deal because we didn't want to give one last big payday to Christian Burgess. Following that consistency, we won't be offering one to Lee Brown. Lee and Vincent isn't developed enough uh, developed enough yet to become a League One starter. The left back, left wing back spot is going to be a rebuild spot for next season. It's going to require a League One starter, a good League One starter to be in there. Guinness Walker would 
suit the mould of what we're trying to do in these last few games. And if that is something we continue to do through the rest of the season and implement into next season, he would be an archetype fit for that for that vacant role. I imagine, though, with his age and playing a lot of League One football at this stage of his career, we may get sucked into a little bit of a bidding war for him because he'll have more than one suitor. Yeah. Um, slightly off topic, lads. Um, obviously, we've welcomed John Marquis back to the bench and uh, go, sort of going back to Saturday, actually, really, going and then going forward, Jeff. Um, I mean, it's no hiding away from it. There were a couple of boos when the yeah, sub was more made. more than a couple. Okay, that's, I didn't ba- that's bad. But it I just, bad. I just, I just want to bring that up. Is, I mean, I'd like to hope that wasn't directed at him. Was it directed at the decision to bring him on? I kind of I, hope I, that was I, the case. From where but, I am in the front end, I actually thought it was directed at him. And but why? I, I don't... You know, All right, he hasn't set okay. the world alight this season. Or. Let, 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 let's just put the card... Let's, let's just address the elephant in the room. Marquise hasn't... People say Marquise hasn't hit the heights he has at Doncaster. But actually, when you look at Marquise's stats at Doncaster... 14, 16 goals in the league. When he come to Pompey, and his first season at Pompey, he scored eight or nine. His second season, he scored 16. So actually, Ryan's, Ryan's mentioned this a couple of times. You know, this is Marquise's ceiling. League one, you know, he isn't going, you know he's 29. He's not going to kick on and become a prolific championship striker. You know, he is, he is you know, one of the highest goal scorers in League one over the course of the seasons he's played there. You know, so but come on, we we, we we say we're the best fans in the in the country. You That's know. embarrassing, that is. But to boo a player that comes up, whatever your thoughts are of John Marquis, don't boo him. You know, you may not like him. You, you, you talked about Benjani last week. Last week wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. How, he got double the week last how, week. How? how Fifteen many games time? for him. Fifteen games. Okay. Yes, I think the frustration is because we know John Marquis can score goals, but he's a confidence player. So let's give him that confidence. Let's, you know, I know people say he's had enough time, he's had this, he's had that. But if he's coming on, he's putting his heart out in, for the team, at least support him, and then boo him afterwards if you need to or whatever. I wouldn't even boo him My, at all. Like, it, I just, I just don't, un, I don't, I can't, I can't understand the logic of booing a player that is try. He clearly tries, he works his ass off, you can see it. The things that don't track for me... From a from a logical point of view, is you've got a player again. I think we've seen the ceiling of Mon- John Marquis' confidence or not. But the logical thing about it is, if a player is down on himself, men- you know, mentally, and he's been brought back into the fold after an absence, the first thing he absolutely doesn't need is being booed by his home fans. Again, it's a smattering. Again, it's not everyone, but you can hear it. It's like the knee at the start of the game. As much as you can hear people clapping, you can hear people booing. And people take notice of this. It was audible on Tuesday on the Sky cameras when the, the knee was booed. Uh, again, a smattering. But it's all picked up. Players aren't stupid. They know they can hear these things. So Mark was coming on. People saying he needs confidence. You need to back your players. The first thing he hears when he comes on is booing. That doesn't help. My perspective as a fan... And that's my perspective. I'm not going to tell anyone else how to be a fan. But my perspective is, before the game, after the game, you can have whatever say you like. God knows I think that's true, because I say all the goddamn time. Uh, you know, I went from Express straight to a podcast. I can't shut the hell up. But <laughs> the 19- and look what happened in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but the thing is, the 90 minutes from whistle to whistle, that's, that's when you have to do your job as a supporter. 
That's where you have to back your team and die on that hill backing your team. Before the game, after the game, say whatever the fresh hell you want on Twitter, on the platforms, in the pubs. But the 90 minutes that, again, between the whistles, you have to back your team. That's what you're there to do. The poor Pe- guy, pe- it doesn't matter if he has a bad game after he comes on. You're booing him before he's even had a chance to do anything I've wrong I've said yet. this on the radio before. Don't boo the team. And people are oh, play my bloody money. I'll do what I want. But yeah, all right. That's fair enough. That's a fair. That's a valid point. But come on. You know, I, I just believe, we, like you said, we claim 90, to be the best fans in the world, but then you've got you've got a small group of people doing. I just, I, I can't understand why people felt the need to boo him. And then you see people reveling it on, you know, the forums on social media, going, "Yeah, deserves to get booed." Or why? Yeah, I like seeing him booed. Why? What's wrong with you? You know, I was critical of George Hurst at the beginning of the season because I, I <laughs> honestly did not think he was good enough. I never booed him. No. No, I, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, really, isn't it? You just, during, I, I personally game, don't care what people's opinions are. They're entitled to have an opinion. You know, football is subjective. Football is, you know, some people say Miguel Aziz had a brilliant game Saturday. I thought he was average. It, you know, you, you have a different opinion. You have a different opinion. It's, yeah. it's, it's subjective, but don't boo. No, I think we can all agree on that, can't we? Yeah, it, that's unequivocal. And the atmosphere in itself yesterday was was slightly lax that's probably a product of who we're playing that's probably a product of the game but the lax atmosphere also contributes to that booing because again amid a backdrop of relative silence for most of the second half a player will hear when that boo is quite visceral instead of just being a wall of noise for 40 minutes the boo can get lost in that but when it's been quite quiet and then you hear booing that that sticks with you people recognize that so yeah, it, it was just a bad thing all around and it, it tainted the afternoon a little bit and hopefully it's something that we as a fan base can learn from because we do like to trot out on social media we're the best fan base in the world. But yesterday, yesterday was a very... That claim was based on very wonky ground. It was indeed. Should we go to some... Uh, I mean, let's move on for that and try and... Uh, not pick out some positives let's get some reaction uh, from what the fans are saying on socials uh, just before I do that just want to uh, do a big shout out to a guy called Kyle Collings who's uh, over in the States uh, he's a big big fan of the podcast Jeff and uh, as many others have done so we really appreciate this because it really does help obviously keeping the podcast going because like we said it does cost unfortunately just cost to host this and, and uh, obviously it's paying for the beers as well so big shout out to Kyle who donated a lovely uh, sum of money to the podcast and has kept it going for a couple more months so Kyle uh, thank you very much for that uh, really really appreciate that and he's a big fan of Sean Raggett as well he said uh, but let's go to some reaction can I, can I just say he's not the only fan we got in America is he no look let's, I know we were talking about this before look um, we're not going to mention any names but we've uh, we've been uh, we've had contact with some uh, in- individuals from from uh, from the states who are, of course, uh, well, they've got some quite interesting ties with the club. Maybe we say maybe ownership. Uh, they are big fans, <laughs> apparently, which is which is great. So thank you very much, and uh, looking forward to seeing what the future holds. But moving on from that swiftly, uh, right? So we asked on Twitter, what do we uh, make of that one? Uh, allows you to get involved. Uh, just a dad from Pompey. Uh, says we were sat north lower watched the ref pace out three kicks counted 13 steps eight steps 11 steps not once did he actually pace out 10 yards however performance was good despite the amount of players unfit etc but three points onto the next as always up the blues (laughs) 
Um, Lorraine, who's always uh, a regular contributor to the podcast. Overall, pleased to get three points. We're definitely limping through to January. Well done to those who played and as a team, as a team gave a good performance and the work rate was uh, high as he showed more than what he can do. Uh, Ronan worked tirelessly and Romeo was always looking to drive forward. And she mentions Aziz there and I've just remembered something, Ryan. I think it was the last episode or one maybe before you were asking about what's next for Aziz. Um, I don't think you saw him play in the next two games, did you? No, it's one of those where we described that he would have to do something Herculean for Catley to essentially reverse his decision on he's one of the lone players going back in January to facilitate additions elsewhere. And his, his best chance would likely come in a Neilford Trophy game. Through this sickness bug, he's got an extra chance through the league at the minute. And from my own Eastern Road blog, and we put out earlier, I think he had an average game. He did as many things good as he did bad. There were some sloppy losses in possessions, turnovers inside Pompey's own half. There are a couple of trampoline touches. There are a couple of occasions where he didn't quite use the space that had been afforded him. He waited too long on making a decision. But on the other side, what I liked uh, quite a lot was his understanding of the game had developed a little bit. Playing in a deeper role, he started to drop into little areas outside the middle part of the pitch to basically pull in one pass, lay it off, to drop into another part of the pitch straight away to provide another passing angle just to keep the play of the, uh, the flow of the play moving. To, to move the defenders around a little bit and then to move the ball across the park. When you constantly give someone a passing outlet, it gives another problem for the defence to deal with. Do they commit? Do they stay back? They're chasing the ball around. It's very simple stuff doing that. But when you keep the ball moving around like that, it gives another problem for the defence to deal with. It's not spectacular, but keeping the ball is remarkably one way of not conceding yep. just Definitely. offering an outlet so it wasn't a great performance by any means because he, he was flawed yesterday he did make mistakes but the other bonus is he dropped that cross or that corner straight onto Ogilvy's head uh, for the second goal yep. it, we've not seen many deliveries like that this season at this moment do I still keep him probably not based on one okay uh, that performance was my next question, against Morecambe but, okay. yeah. but I'm seeing something at the minute that shows signs of early development, early sort of alignment to men's football, early progression into men's football, which he himself has quite nobly admitted he needs to get up to speed with. But for the moment, he still needs to do a lot more to, to convince me that he's worth keeping around for half a season, especially if we have any sort of ambition for the rest of it. I, I totally agree. And, and you know, if, if the budget wasn't so tight, you'd keep him. Um, you know, but the budget is tight, and I, I don't think we can not not affording his wages, but I don't think we can afford to to keep him when we need players in other areas. Next one on Twitter. Um, highlight of my day, my day was meeting the legend Jeff Harris. Now, is that a fake account, Jeff? That you've, uh, yeah, you've I, made? I, I, I made that. that that's his burner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the actual account name is Hef Jarris, which is weird. Uh, that was mockers, uh, wasn't it? It was mockers. Uh, meeting up with the Rutland Arms at lunchtime. Top bloke. They Poppy. bought me a pint. He's a good lad, our mockers. Uh, he's given us plenty of treats in the press box over over the last few seasons. To crates of brownies. I'm still drinking cider. Normal brownies. They were not infused with anything. <laughs> They were fantastic, and uh, yeah, the, the the cider he's brought down from where's he where's he from again? Uh, 
Hereford. Hereford, yeah. Yeah, there's some good old cider from there. But yeah, cheers, Mockers. But he says, uh, Pompey played well up until half-time. Fabulous save by Gavin. Miguel looked high class and delivered a great corner uh, for Connor's goal. Play at Pompey. One for the podcast. Pompey Dog, our Mark. We know Mark. Uh, the lads look tired today. Very professional display, but Curtis and Harness and even... Uh, I thought you meant us at first. <laughs> very professional display, but, but Curtis, Harness and even Superfit 10K Machine Ragget need a rest. Thank goodness... No Tuesday game coming this week. That is a big positive, Jeff. No cha- game on Tuesday. Gives another week for to get rid of this bloody sickness bug. And we need Joe Morrell back, let's be honest. We, 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 we do. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Wimbledon is a big, big game. Um, and, and Joe Morrell in that midfield, pulling the strings, driving at players, you know, transitioning the ball 20 yards up the pitch in, in you know, three or four seconds rather than hitting the post in twice in two seconds. Um it, you know, it's it's a bonus. Yeah, Sydney scrappy game at times, especially in the second half. But a win's a win. Brilliant to see Ogilvy get his first goal, and so many other impressive performances. I thought this game once again highlighted our need for a striker and someone to beef up that midfield in January. It's coming. Well, it's fast approaching, Ryan. We're halfway through December already. We we can we can. Well, you can see now the lack of bodies we've got. We definitely need some additions. It wouldn't need, you wouldn't even need to go to a Pompey game right now to figure out where the issues is or issues are because we need to do is look at the statistics boards. We are joint highest in League One when it comes to clean sheets, and that that clean sheet record includes a portion of the season where we went two wins in fifteen games. We haven't conceded in nine halves of football. It's four uh, complete or four full games without conceding in the league. Some of those clean sheets have come against the likes of Sunderland, Wickham, and that is again without our skipper Clark Robertson. That's again where we've had players dropping in and out of the team, where we've had to switch players around. We've had square pegs in round holes, but overall, supposedly, we're still one of the best teams in this division defensively. And then you consider what we are scoring-wise. In all other departments of the pitch, we seem to be a team that is getting there. But in the scoring department... We are miles off. In terms of goals scored, we are... I haven't done latest check. It was before Morecambe. Only six teams in the division had scored fewer goals than Pompey in the league. Three of them are in the drop zone. In terms of every every other metric, in terms of generating shots, generating shots on target, generating shots from inside the box, conversion rate from shots, conversion rate from shots on target, we are as mid-table as it gets I mean weirdly enough if you can't score many goals and if you're a mid-table team at creating shots you'll be a mid-table team probably when after 46 games just quickly Jeff as he's as he's going on about that I've just read this one here from Andy Johnson that says I'm sure Ryan will find something to moan about as he does every week I saw that one earlier yeah you got a fan Ryan but you know Ryan am I not right (laughs) Ryan makes a valid point there but there's one stat that we beat every EFL club and I'm talking about the championship teams as well. And that is the high-press turnovers. We, are the, we have the best stat out of all of the EFL leagues. And yet our conversion rate of those turnovers is woeful. Let's, let's be honest. If we've got the best stat of, of you know, recycling the ball, getting the ball back... If only we had a centre forward who knew where the back of the net was. Yeah, and you can add uh, Jeff into that as well. <laughs> I thought that was positive. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's only he's only joking. But uh, 
You don't moan that much, Ryan. What are you on about, Andy? I, I just like constructive the, criticism. I, I just like to, you know, He's lay passionate. my points with both positives and negatives. I, yeah. I, I prefer to think of myself as a realist. Uh, we're, we're we got s- called pessimists the other day. Well, yeah. up until a couple of weeks ago, oh, we were mid-table, and pessimist. we're we're only just we're now stuck in the second six of the table. I hate to tell you, Bombay fans, there's a reason we're not on the top six. If we're, if you're a top six side, there's a reason you're a top six side. If you're not a top six side, there's a reason for that. That's because you're good at some things, but you're flawed in a critical area. That's not my fault. If you walked in any pub on a Saturday afternoon and said to any Pompey fan, are Oxford better than Portsmouth? They'd all say no. Yet Oxford are higher than us. Yeah, and that's because they're doing certain things right now more efficiently across the board than we are. That doesn't mean that's going to be the way the whole season, but at this moment in time, they're doing something that we're not. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. I, there were some weird responses last week when I pointed out that Rico Hackett is extremely one-footed. Someone had the nerve to say, well, he's got one more foot than everyone on the podcast. I should hope so. He's a professional footballer. Oh, good. He's better than Ryan Stilwell. That's not an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we've always we've, we've said he's got a great left peg on him. And there's nothing wrong with that. And hence why I put, I think my, yesterday was I put a... my picture up of the titanium bolts in my ankle and said, yes, yeah, he has. Yeah, he's definitely got one more than yeah. <laughs> I think yesterday was an extreme case of him not having a right foot. There were a few times, actually, where he was like the magic roundabout, where he had to turn 270 degrees instead of 90 degrees. Yeah. But again, that's, that's just something he has to work on as a player. He's not in the advanced stage of his career and so far his experiences National League and League 2 me saying he's an extremely one-footed player doesn't mean he's always going to be that I, way I, he's just not got to that stage yet but we had some weird responses on that for from me literally pointing something out again that's not my fault I think you'll get young player of the season I really do. I Stop rate pissing you. people off, you two. Like, we want to get to week six. <laughs> this is why you keep quiet. Yeah, I know. Honestly, you should see my tweet drafts. I've got public apologies like for every player lined up. <laughs> Ryan literally is that meme where you know Little Britain where they come out and apologise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, Bra- Brandon. I don't want to be unrealistic here, but the league is ours, and I'm getting ready for Millwall away. <laughs> right, okay, uh, Brandon. Uh, we'll we'll join- have half their squad by the time we play them. Yeah, right. Um, Good in part, says Wesley. Kept the league's top scorer at bay. Another clean sheet. And hated the John Mark was getting booed by the fratting end. Yeah, a lot of people are agreeing with that. Uh, poor second half. Uh, wages tied up with players. You shouldn't be here. Imagine having that 20k a week on other players that could make a difference. And then that name, Marquis and Harrison, were awful. Really showed when uh, showed that when they came on. Ah, hmm. uh, 20k a week under the Cowleys would get you 15 players. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. I've heard some rumours about what certain players are on, and it's quite disturbing some of the, some of the wages that these players report to be on. And look, if that then wages can be freed up to bring some hungry young talent in. Jeff, I'm all for it. Definitely, definitely. You know, and Pompey Pompey gambled over the last four seasons. Um, the gamble hasn't paid off. Um, and and. We, we said, we don't think Danny Cowley can be judged this transfer window. The summer when 10, 15 players are going to be up for contract again. Um, that's where I think we'll really, really push on next season. You know, we'll, I, I said first podcast, we'll finish eighth. You said nine through to 12, I think, something like that. Yeah, line. nine through 12 for me. Um, yeah. You know, and if, and if we can finish around there, great. 
given what's going on. Um, and if you're in touch and distance in, in January, and, and the news coming out today from a reliable source, um, Alan Nixon, is you know, about Guinness Walker, if that if that is true, and there's no reason to doubt why I mean, he's usually true, nailed on Alan Nixon. But, but exactly, that that's a sign of intent. You know, you're signing a young player that, that did cause, yes, he the penalty was a contentious one, but he causes problems at all game that game. Well, look, you know, just look at look at that situation. He got he got Bill Mutt, uh, Curtis. He's you know he's got some pace on him. Oh, absolutely. He's one of those players that I looked at when you know I was on Express last year. I, I know they did the um, this yeah, week's opposition. Was that? What was it used to do, Ryan? Was I, I <laughs> used to, uh, I used to just get drunk all what, the time. And why are you not on there anymore? Uh, Player why, why are you not on Express but, anymore, Ryan? Uh, um, <laughs> controversial circumstances we'll put it but he was one of the players that for my notes for that game I had as their, their one to watch it's too easy to put Joe Piggott I think in my opinion because you just look at a number for that but you look at a player that can be like an engine for the team a player who can transition from their own third to the the opposition's own third in the in the click of a button he can pin other fullbacks but, but that's, it's, that's mouth watering isn't it Oh, Ro- Romeo and Guinness Walker on each yeah. flank. The, you imagine, and Curtis you imagine and the Harness. amount of times they can pin the opposition back because oh. they have to think. Well, if I adventure up, I know what I'm leaving behind, and I know who can break into that space. That it's not always about what you do on the ball, but it's the it's the presence you have, it's the threat you bring on an unconscious level that forces the opposition to go. Mm, I'm not sure if I can get away with this. And where Pompey are at the minute, again. As a team, we're we're sort of middling to okay, but we're not that far away from being something more. And if you can have players like that in next season, you start to develop that something more that separates sixth through ninth. Because sometimes those gaps aren't as as massive as they seem. But on that basis, I would feel that my comments about Danny Cowley were wholly vindicated from a couple of months back. People saying around the time of Sunderland is he under pressure. No managers under pressure in October. Don't be daft. You're 12, 13 games in. Yes, you yes you might not finish in the playoffs, but it's October. No no team season is done what by of, October. What sort of the idiot fact that asked now, that question? No, but it has to be asked, though, because <laughs> I know you asked it, but it has to be asked because you see around the league not too, not too long after that, no, I know. Nigel Atkins is getting sacked. Paul Cook's getting sacked, but Pompey now one point off the playoffs. Actually, that doesn't mean they're going to the playoffs, and that doesn't mean Danny Cowley's washed up if Pompey don't make the playoffs. But I it's just that proof that was... Pompey went from 17th to 8th in two months. Well, a manager's not under pressure in October. It's daft. You make a valid point about Paul Cook there. You know, Ipswich bought every player that became available. And yet Danny Cowley talks about some of our signings were third choice. So to, so, so to be in and around the playoffs with third choice signings, he's done a great, or both of them have done a great job. You know, I, I just want to mention something. You said, I think it was last season, maybe the season before, about League One being actually the most competitive league in England. And this season, it is actually proven to be the most competitive. You look at the top, you know, the top eight in League One. All, all eight, barring Oxford, just because I have a thing about Oxford, could <laughs> and should be playing in, in, the, in the championship. Oh, yeah. The, with the money churn that comes down from the Premier League parachute payments, and then the, the, you see the wage turnovers in the, the football financial... Uh, outlays to get posted every year reading i think were paying 215 percent of their income on wages 
which is utterly insane. They're paying more than double of their yearly income on wages for you. That's not sustainable. For a club coming up from League One, you can't compete with that. That's where League One, the, the difference is monetarily, the differences in competition, that is now what the championship was a few years ago. And that's why I think it is the most competitive, tough-to-call league in the world. Cert- well, certainly in this country, anyway, so, you know, I may not know much about the Brazilian third tier, for example, but certainly in this country, absolutely nothing matches it. Proving to be the same again this year, and, and that's part of the beauty of being in this league. I know we're trying to get out of it, but we know the problems of going into the championship. That's why I think everyone should potentially enjoy the ride a little bit more. Yes, we could be doing more to, to push ourselves into the championship hunt, but for the moment, we are in... Uh, we are in a pretty nice place to be to, to some of these places we get to go to every week. Yep. Um, lads, we're going to finish off on something that we've actually spoken about for the last three weeks now. The Academy. Yeah, what's uh, what's come to light this week, Jeff? Oh, let me check my notes. <laughs> we, we did have quite <laughs> we, a few we, people getting in touch. We've had a lot of people get in touch with Shall us. Shall we recap what we've, what we've already been saying? We, we've been asking, uh, uh, you know, for uh, experiences from, you know, from... You know, you know, parents with, with kids that have been in the academy and how, how it's sort of been for you. And uh, we've been getting a lot of response, haven't we? Uh, some private messages and obviously some conversations floating around as well, Jeff. Yeah, and, and you know, it's great people to reach out. And we're not going to name names. We're not going to say what, what, what team they're in or, or whatever. Portsmouth. But, uh, yeah, yeah, age group. Um, but uh, an, an academy coach at another club has sent me a message saying he has been told to come and target Portsmouth Academy players because they know they're, they're there for rich pickings. And again, that's, that's just unacceptable. And, you know, someone else has sent me a message saying the, the attitude um, around certain academy age groups is really poor. Now, yes, we saw it, you know, during the summer in the World Cup, the three academy players got, got kicked out, and rightly so, in my opinion. You know, there's no room for, for those comments in, in, you know, in life, let alone football. Um, but to hear that there was a player overlooked in the in the, in the Pompey in the community team that went into the academy team, came out of the academy team because he didn't like it in there, um, and there's other players in, in that Pompey in the community team that were overlooked, got you know national recognition, and is now playing in Bournemouth Academy. How have we lit someone get national record recognition in in whatever capacity they got it in? not being picked for our academy side and is now travelling 45 minutes down the road to play for another team that that's just shocking that's just that's just, you know and and you know in the ne- in the coming weeks we'll we'll put this together properly and we'll we'll address these the 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 messages we've been sent because we're not doing it uh, you know any fa- you know favors or the, the 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 credit it deserves what we what what we what we're being told but it's a common theme it's not just one person this is like five six seven people all telling us the same thing um and we said we said we'll hold the county the, the club accountable for these kind of things and we, and we will you know these are factual statements from from parents and also ex academy players that have played there, and they're, they're saying yes, you know they may be spending a bit more money, but the environment they're playing in, you know, if if you got up on a Monday morning, you're going into work and going, Christ, I don't want to go into work, you're going to end up leaving that job, aren't you? Because you don't want to go into work, you don't want to work there. It's exactly the same for football academies. You know, if you don't want to go in and and and, and 
play with someone next year because the attitude's poor or, or, or whatever, then, then they are going to leave. Yeah. Yeah, one of the comments I had come in, again, I'll, I won't name names because they, they've asked that they be um, essentially now stricken from the record in terms of name, but they're, they're happy to relay the story. In the past year or so, a couple of players have actually turned down offers of a third-year scholarship from the club because they felt that they felt that it wouldn't get them anywhere. They felt that in order to further their development, there needs to be more of a bridge from the academy to the first team. But with no side that bridges the gap in between the academy and the first team, their third-year scholarship would essentially end with, you're either good enough for League One at 19 at the end of your third-year scholarship, whatever age it is, or you're turfed out. Now, they, these players were being advised, there's no point. You're not going to be battle-hardened, League One ready via the, the course of a third-year scholarship with no bridge to the first team. It might be 10 minutes in the year for trophy, but with no squad and no development in between that, you've either got to be good enough straight away or you're out. So these players were actually turning down our scholarship offers because they were being advised, go elsewhere, enhance your development elsewhere, play football elsewhere because you'll be playing consistent football with more of an A to B to C progression to you know the top of men's football. That's quite alarming to me that our own players that are coming through our own system are, are turning down our offers because they see, well, how am, I to get, how am I to get from A to C when there's no B involved, for example? And they've, got, they've gone out and they found football elsewhere. That this person also mentioned, this was something I do remember, that when some of our players were released last year, they weren't being told by the head of development. I believe they were being told by the acting head of development at the time. And I believe another person involved in the meetings to let some of these players go was from finance. Well, well, I get that releasing players is a financial decision in some respects, but the main aspect of... Uh, a footballing decision has to come from footballing people why why someone from the financial department which is what I've been told has happened why someone from finance in a meeting to tell a player about their footballing future that that has no place in that meeting you sort that out afterwards but this is a human being this is a human being essentially at their job being told to get a new job you don't have someone from the financial department going well the that that doesn't sit well with me, and it didn't sit well with the person who felt the need to to get in touch with me and tell me about that. It, it we we talked about it last week about investment, you know, and and the main selling point was the academy is going to be built up, and we're going to invest in the academy and everything else. And I said it last week. I believe the Eisners are good owners. I just think they've been advised badly not to invest in that. You know, we've been told various times now we're 10, 15 years behind where we should be. Now, you look at the signings we're rumoured to be making, Nesta, you know, Guinness Walker and, and players like young, hungry players that will take us to the... You know, we're talking about young players taking us to the next level. It's, it's For me, what, yes, Aziz is an under, Arsenal under-23 player, plays for England under-20s, but why are we not giving that opportunity to Jurit White? He plays for Wells. He, you know, he's an international player himself. Yes, albeit under 18s, but come on. Give, give, give him a go. But you, you look at the academy players, that, that crop of academy players that came through. Webster, Watmore, you know, Close, Chaplin. You know, even back before that, you know, Joe Ward and, 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 and those kind of players that came through. 
you, you, they saw a pathway. You know, mate, we've got to have an under-23 side. And I hope we would have one in place for next season because that's the only way we are going to develop and give a pathway through. Yes, OK, we can, we, we can accept that we're not there this season. Uh, um, you know, we're coming out the other side of the pandemic and everything else. We can accept that. But put the foundation blocks in, you know, and we, and we've been told some some interesting news that came out of a uh, an in-house meeting at the club the other day. You know, the, the the temporary football director of operations is now the permanent one. You know, and I've, I've, that's what we're hearing. No, I'm not saying that's gospel because we are, are only hearing it from from you know one or two people. But plans have got to be put in place. The academy coaches that have left. You know, you even go back to um, uh, Wright, who went down to went down to Brighton. They've left for a reason. You know, when when one of your academy coaches becomes the kit man, I'm sorry that that's you know he may want a different quality of life and everything else and and everything else. Sean O'Driscoll's comments we mentioned last week, but you know. There's too many coincidences. I'm not mentioning any names, but I've heard it from a very well-liked figure who has been at Pompey, and I'm not going to say what role he was in. Could have been a player, could have been a manager. Um, he was saying how it was, and it was quite disturbing to hear what he actually thought of what's going on with the, the academy. I'm not going to mention his name, but you know, hearing it from someone that <coughs> is well-respected... <laughs> The uh, thing for me Pompey, on this it was, one, it was, it was hard to hear. The thing for me on this one is that I see the occasional comment about us being moaners, us finding an agenda to, to have something to be negative about. Obviously, it was the one you read out earlier. When I spoke about Rico Hackett last week, someone said, oh, the podcast pessimists have got to you uh, because Pessimist. you agreed about that. <laughs> I'm just going to remind everyone, this week's Academy discussion is not generated by us. When we you can go back to listen, you listen back to last week's podcast. It's available on every goddamn platform. Spotify, Apple Podcast. We did not say come to us with your negative stories about the academy. Our words were come to us with your stories about the academy, good or bad. All we've had in the week on Jeff's personal account, on Liam's personal account, on my personal account, on the podcast account, and face to face, and face to face, are these stories. We are not generating these stories. These are people who have connections to the club, who have worked within the club previously or currently, these people are coming to us about it. This isn't just us having a moan for the sake of having a moan. This is us inviting people to tell their stories of the academy. They are telling their stories. Jeff, tell us one of the positive stories you've been told this week. Ryan, tell us one of the positive <laughs> stories you've been told this week. <laughs> yeah, the, the mic's still working. <laughs> Is anyone here? <laughs> the only and, and the crowd goes yeah, mild. The only positive <laughs> I would tell it, say about the academy was um, one of the dads was, was, was chatting to me and he said, you know, his son now plays for that team down the road. And he didn't want to go. He said positive stories, Jeff, please. Um, you know, the only positive is that, is that his dad cut out a Pompey badge and signed it on the inside of his training top. So the Pompey <laughs> badge is next to his heart. <laughs> See, so, yeah, again, we're not generating these stories. These are people who have come into contact with us. This is not just us beating around a, you know beating the bush on this one beating the dead horse these are people who are, this isn't I'm just gonna I hate to end we but, really we, but, but, but I, I honestly thought we'd get probably one or two yeah. but we've we've, we've had one or two inundated. each yeah, I hate to end on this and I hate to end on this thought and I apologise I'm I could end up having dinner of the week here but this goes on 
a long, you know, not just recently. This goes on for, for many years, our academy. The James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. Oh, my, mic's, my mic's working now. <laughs> I had a really positive story earlier. Because, <laughs> you know, essentially he chose them over us because, let's be honest, it was a better offer for him. Well, that's it was. A, that's a story as old as time. And, and he's not the only one, though, is he? You know, uh, the, 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 the news' favourite Portsmouth son, also playing for Chelsea. You and know, they mentioned off-mic there was Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, uh, son of yeah. Mark Chamberlain, yeah. who, who has played for this football club, worked for this football club, but his son went down the road. And made I, a great I, success for you. Can't I don't argue think, that. I, I, I honestly don't think those three players would be the players they are now if they were in the Pompey Academy. Yeah, um, do, do you mention that, uh, that, that that comment came from someone in the audience there? Uh, I'm not going to lie, we were supposed to have a little bit of an audience today, but there are our, men, uh, our mates. <laughs> he but we're going to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of bunch of dickheads. They didn't turn up. We've got Jesse Hawks over there. We've got to go. Give a mention to Scott, who's turned up, and uh, he's he's been he's been a great sport uh, sports. So cheers, Scott. Uh, and uh, the, and uh, the rest of you. Loud cheer of derision for those who <laughs> bailed yeah. on Scott, leaving him the only audience member. The rest of, of the you. Night. You know one. who you are. Yeah, we know who but you that, are. But that, that's actually so. You know, we'll put it out there now. That's something we want to develop. We want to, you know, we want. Bit of crowd participation, that's the next step for this podcast. Well, a good start, Jeff, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, only ways down. Yeah, we're yeah. back to zero next so, week. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to start putting out prior to where we we're recording, you know, come down, fire off your questions. Uh, next week, we're at the OT Academy in London. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, but lads, right on that note, we're gonna get on and uh, finish our pints and uh, look forward to next week's episode. But uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be talking positive after a win at AOC Wimbledon. We're doing score, score predictions. Do you know what? Yes, Jeff. Let's have your score prediction. I'm going three 0 Pompey. Wow. Uh, Scott's going for a two 0 How about you, Ryan? I think one uh, nil. Pompey. Well, I thought impression was coming up then. Oh, I was worried. Well, I thought I need to keep up being a moaner, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go two one Pompey win. I'm going to sit there. Right, lads. Pleasure as always. On to episode six. Play at Pompey. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.